Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's November 4th, 2001. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. It was today in history that Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the first big screen adaptation of J.K. Rowling's blockbuster book series, had its premiere in London's Leicester Square. And red carpet attendee Baby Spice spoke for all of us when she told reporters, I don't know what to expect, but I'm really excited. Yeah, she apparently hadn't read the books at all, which, you know, for a massive, like, multi-million pound uh, invested movie with this huge starry cast and, like, people, you know, fans of the Sorry, what are you going to say? As a Spice Girl, she should have done her research before accepting a ticket to the premiere. She was there for the free bubbly area. (laughs) I know that they were probably invited to everything. Don't you know what this is, Baby Spice? There are millions of dollars on the line. Here. <laughs> but it's like a worldwide <laughs> phenomenon and it's just a bit peculiar. So that, is like, she. <laughs> okay, sure. So, <laughs> what, she doesn't have to do any research anymore about anything. <laughs> I'm a Spice Girl, screw you. I just you. don't think you have to put the work in before you go to the red carpet, that's all. <laughs> well, apparently she was alongside other guests who uh, had a better idea of what was going on, including Sting, Cliff Richard and the Duchess of York who had brought her two daughters, Princesses Eugenie and Beatrice. But also I love that the kids who starred in it like they were still very much kids at this stage and apparently Daniel Radcliffe turned up on the night and he said I haven't got much sleep because I was up at 4am and 6am and 7am because he was just so excited yeah and actually Warner Brothers had been very careful at managing that there'd been one press conference I think when the casting had been announced but basically they'd kept them completely separate from all of the international attention and you do think you know had this been 10, 20 years before, there would be no child safeguarding whatsoever. But by this point in history, uh, big companies like Warner Brothers are clever enough when it comes to looking after children to know, to kind of shelter them from some of the attention that was going to come their way. But there's only a limited amount they could do because this was an absolute phenomenon. Mm. I mean, at the point of the premiere of this film on this day, there had been 120 million copies of the four books in print and at least 60% of American children between the ages of 6 and 17 had read one of the books. 60%. Just no Spice Girls. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, this is the thing, though. You say that, Arian. You know, you were incredulous that Baby Spice wouldn't have known what was going on. But it was a phenomenon for children and also for parents yes. and also for... A large amount of adults, adults were reading it, but there was a stigma still at this point around the idea of adults reading children's or young adult fiction. I mean, I don't know if you remember when the adult covers for the Harry Potter books Mm. came out, Mm. it was in 2004. So at this point, that hadn't happened either. So if you're reading it in public, you know, people didn't have e-readers, you were having to read the, you know, they were obviously illustrated for children. And so when you read coverage from the time, you know, before Harry Potter became such a cultural phenomenon... 
it's so strange to see that the journalists covering it have zero familiarity with the books. I think now mm. it's at the point where a person who's never read Harry Potter or seen any of the films could tell you in pretty good detail about each of the main characters, some of the most famous phrases from the books, etc. When you read it now, I think we all probably have read the same CNN article from the time because there's not that many articles from 2001 that are on the internet describing this event. But if you noticed, like the way they describe the plot, you can tell that they've looked up, they've read a press release from Bloomsbury or something. And the article misspells Voldemort in two different ways. It's <laughs> Voldemort. Like it has two wrong letters in it. It is fun, though, to remember that... Harry Potter was a publishing phenomenon and all of the interest around it was around books and bookstores, costume parties in the shops, late night reading sessions. Because, as you say, there weren't e-readers, so there was no piracy of the books. If you wanted to read the book, you had to queue all night to get a paper copy. And I think Warner Brothers were nervous because this was seen as a uniquely sort of bookish, nerdish, authentic kind of intimate connection that the kids who read these books had with this franchise that when it came to making it into a film they were very careful about how they exploited the properties so for example they issued 50 licenses to commercial tie-ups as opposed to 85 for Batman mm. I found an interview with uh, Alan Horn who was the chairman of Warner Brothers who said we want to maximize this franchise in every way and that means we also need to make sure that the children and parents who love the stories do not feel we have blown it yeah and so they turned down a lot of opportunities you know there's a Harry Potter theme park now but there wasn't in 2001 because that would be seen to be not bookish enough there was not a promotion with Daniel Radcliffe in McDonald's yeah. as you'd expect there to be for an American film of this size the premiere was in London and they wanted to emphasize the fact it was an all British cast and it was filmed in Leavesden in Hertfordshire they really wanted to not be seen to be Americanizing it too much and also not messing with the imaginative imagery that children had been building up. The original idea for the film, as uh, envisaged by Steven Spielberg, who was briefly attached to the project, was that it would be a, a, a cartoon. But apparently um, J.K. Rowling put her foot down about this, and she seems to have put her foot down about quite a lot of things. And to her credit, many of them really worked out for the best. You know, For example, she was also determined that this had to be an all-British cast. So much so that apparently uh, Robin Williams had um, put himself forward for the role of Hagrid and he would have done a brilliant Hagrid I reckon but mm. it would have been a totally different picture and very much not the sort of thing that she had in mind and I think it's it, it, it really sort of wound up being the richer for it plus the fact that they then jettisoned uh, Steven Spielberg and ended up with Chris Columbus I mean that also felt like the right decision especially because there were so many other people's names who were mentioned attached to it early on including Tim Burton I think he could have done a really good job Rowling's favourite was Terry Gilliam, uh, and that would have obviously been a total disaster <laughs> in the best possible way. Well, I mean, the thing with the, the the rule that J.K. Rowling had that the cast had to all be British and then that was expanded to Irish, I feel like it was probably a little bit like political to say that Irish actors couldn't be in it. But it's one of these things that when you hear it, you're like, yes, good, it's a British story and isn't this nice? But when it gets down to like the nitty gritty of people who were in line to be in it and had to be told basically, no, you're not the right nationality, is what it does feel a little bit harsh because Chris Columbus, obviously he had worked with lots of child actors before, specifically at Home Alone, but he had just finished directing Stepmom and there was a child actor in that called Liam Aiken, who was his original 
choice for Harry Potter, but no, he was American and he, he had to be politely but firmly rejected. There is one exception, though. There is one American in the cast, Chris Columbus's daughter, Eleanor, who has the crucially non-speaking role of Susan Bones. Ah. Well, she spent three years living in Elstree, so, you know, that counts. <laughs> Immersing herself in the yeah. role of Susan Bones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Can we talk about the casting of Daniel Radcliffe, actually? Because yeah. it's quite interesting. I remember he wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. And I thought Rupert Grint was amazing. I'm going back to what my 20-year-old thought about, you know, 11-year-old main cast. And I thought that Emma Watson was okay. Mm. But I thought that Daniel Radcliffe was bad and couldn't act. Yeah. But I just watched his casting uh, tape, which is Columbus directing him. He's like 10 years old. And it is, there is something spooky when he puts the glasses on he does become harry potter he just looks so right yeah and his acting actually weirdly in his casting reel was so good you can totally see why he got the role well he was chosen out of sixty thousand children who auditioned for the role of harry apparently columbus had seen him in the bbc's david copperfield so he already had in mind that this was a chap that he wanted to at least meet so of all of these poor sixty thousand hopefuls columbus already kind of knew the person that he wanted but one of the other um interesting stipulations that columbus had of all of his cast was that he wanted for them to have come from a very stable family background and initially Radcliffe's parents said they didn't want him to do the role and they took quite a lot of persuading I guess because they had a a sense of the overwhelming crushing weight that was going to land on him not just once it was released and on this night in particular but for the rest of his life I still think he has the air of someone who is having to live with having been that role yes Whatever he does, you know, if he does Shakespeare on stage, it's always Harry Potter plays Macbeth, isn't it? And it wasn't just the exposure, it was the production schedule was absolutely relentless. I mean, one of the reasons that the film adaptation was initially floated as an animation was because Warner Brothers were concerned that the child actors would age quicker than the films could be made. And considering the scale of the films, it's an understandable concern. So in the end, production on Chamber of Secrets started like a few days after this premiere. back to back. 320 days of filming they did pretty much straight. Wow. And I think... I think the way they put the film together as well, there were 600 special effects shots in Philosopher's Stone. It must have been very difficult, especially for the child actors, to act. I mean, Mm. a lot of the time they didn't know what they were acting at. Everything is so disjointed. A film like that gets put together so much in post-production that it must have been very strange to be acting next to a tennis ball on a stick and not really (laughs) even knowing where in the film it's going to go. To that end, they actually filmed it almost sequentially for this very reason, that they wanted these relative newcomer child actors to have the opportunity to get into their character in the way that the sort of the way the book itself unfolds which it must be said is very much scene setting you know they they had the fortune of it being kind of a thing that I think we're much more used to now which is you know in the era of long form television I think we're, we we yeah. don't expect to have the big hits arrive immediately but it is building the world this first movie yeah, it's saying to kids, isn't it? Imagine if you caught a train. Yeah. Imagine if you held a wand. Yeah. I mean, the stakes are actually quite low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, 
while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.